0: This is your welcoming ceremony into the Best Worst Club. It's the club that none of us want to be a part of, with the best kind of people. We are the 1 in 10, doing our very best at living with endometriosis. Think of this podcast as your space to be understood, uplifted, and plugged into the thriving endo community. This disease is a beast to live with. It's one that crosses into taboo territory, and the road to management is peppered with obstacles. Tune in weekly to be equipped with research-based information and tangible tools to navigate the medical system as a fierce self-advocate. To be moved by other warriors' raw and real stories while contributing to spreading awareness of our realities and to glean helpful life hacks and coping skills from perspectives of people who truly get it. I'm your host and fellow endo warrior, Mariah Battaglia, better known as the Endo Doula on IG. And while I hate that you're part of the club, I hope you'll stay. Make sure to follow the show so you don't miss any of the latest episodes and upcoming guests. This series came together as a direct result of our community on Instagram. When I first put out the call to interview warriors, I was honestly surprised at the response. I have a small IG account and I often think the algorithm works against me, but our community proved to be stronger. Admittedly, the idea for this series wasn't the beginning. In fact, it wasn't until a few interviews in that I realized I am simply orchestrating something our community has been working on for years. I created the space and you stepped in to fill it. To fill it with your powerfully heartbreaking and needing to be heard realities of living with endometriosis. It's what the online Indo community has been doing. Raising awareness of this common disease most have never heard of and calling out the systemic injustices we faced. The stories in It's Not Just a Bad Period series are difficult to listen to, and I want to keep it that way, because they aren't just stories, but they are the harrowing realities of each warrior that is bravely taking part. Although endometriosis was first identified over 160 years ago, substantial gaps in adequately addressing this disease remains to pull from an article written by Frontiers and Global Women's Health. The National Institute of Health is the largest source of biomedical research funding globally, allocating 41.7 billion US dollars annually. In 2022, the expected funding allocation for endometriosis is $16 million, 0.038% of the budget. That's approximately $2 per patient per year being allocated, compared to diabetes that affects a similar population, which received an estimated allocation of $31.30 per person assigned female at birth, over 1500% more than endometriosis the total U.S. endometriosis economic burden is estimated to be as high as 78 to 119 billion dollars annually. If endometriosis was funded by the NIH at the same level as diabetes with respect to the annual economic burden, endometriosis funding would need to increase to 298.8 to 455.3 million dollars rather than the current 16 million as always you can check my sources in the show notes and read the article for yourself while these statistics are hard facts and gleaned towards the mountains of obstacles we're up against they are just cold soulless numbers don't get me wrong like I said they point to part of the problem they are in no way begin to scrape the surface of what it's actually like to live with endometriosis in a system that has chosen not to progress the treatment of a century-year-old disease and it becomes blatantly obvious that a huge reason we suffer on average seven to ten years before even receiving a diagnosis is because of the lack of funding but there's also another huge reason and I'm honestly not sure which one is more sinister. I would say the second is more of a direct trauma to us warriors and that is the medical gaslighting we endure even beyond diagnosis. Medical gaslighting happens when a healthcare professional like a doctor downplays or dismisses what a patient is telling them. This can manipulate the patient into thinking they are exaggerating their own symptoms or imagining them all together. Experts define trauma as the experience of being left alone with one's pain. Endometriosis isn't different. Having to constantly explain our pain to medical doctors, family, and friends, and it's still not being believed, is an isolating and traumatizing experience. What infuriates me even more is the ineffective and often damaging treatments passed off to us with false promises and not enough informed consent. Research shows that ablation is one of those ineffective and dangerous treatments. Yet it's still being offered and in some cases is being presented to patients as if it is equal to excision surgery drugs like Lupron, Orlissa, and hormonal birth control being prescribed like a first defense when the research shows these medications do not treat or suppress the growth of endometriosis, but rather, for some patients, can help manage certain symptoms. However, warriors that choose not to partake in these band-aid management options get treated like they've done something wrong. I personally was asked by a doctor, well then what do you want me to do, when I told him that birth control made my depression and suicidal ideation worse. It's these traumas, these medical injustices I was referring to that feel absolutely sinister. I wish I could say these circumstances only exist for a few unlucky warriors, but that's not true. This is the typical experience of an endometriosis warrior, and it's time the world hears it. The stories you are about to hear are the personal experiences of each individual, and the views expressed by the guests are their own. Please listen with discretion as this series contains mature content that could possibly be triggering to some individuals. Mention of depression, suicidal ideation, medical trauma, sexual assault, disordered eating, and other sensitive topics may come up. This is It's Not Just a Bad Period. Hi Sarah, can you hear me okay?
1: Yeah, how's it going? Can you hear me?
0: I can. It's going good. I'm so excited you're here.
1: Yeah, me too. This is awesome.
0: Well, thank you so much for coming on and being part of Best Worst Club podcast. Um, I think we should start off, maybe do you want to just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and maybe how you found the podcast and like why you decided That you
1: wanted to be a part of it and share your story. Yeah, um, so my name's Sarah. I live in southwest Colorado in a town called Hesperus. Um, I'm like 30 minutes from Utah and 30 minutes from New Mexico, so really in the four corners. Um, and I found your podcast because I follow you on your Instagram page, Endo Doula. And I just find like all the posts you make and a lot of the stuff you talk about super relatable. And, um, I basically agree with the sentiments of all of them. (laughs) Whereas like, I think sometimes, you know, just like different accounts don't like hit you in that same way. Um, and so I was really excited that you're, you know, continuing with this podcast and, um, I listened to the first season and just found it like so validating and also like infuriating <laughs> and um yeah just so many of us have such similar stories and they're all horrific and I think I wanted to be on the podcast because I have really like shortened my story and kind of like downplayed it for people in my life. Um, because I just feel like they don't understand and they can't understand. And that's not any fault of their own. But um, I don't want to sit there and explain every single little thing that I've been through. And I think now it's to the point where I'm like, Oh, yeah. I also saw that other doctor, and like, oh, yeah, there was that whole period where I was like crying every day. And I think like it'll be good for me to talk about the whole thing just so I'm not like compartmentalizing anymore to like a point that I don't even realize.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It, it's our normal. So we really do like normalize it and downplay it. And I think that that is something I hope that. Uh, you know people the warriors that come on to the podcast and share their story that you do get to take away a feeling of like being empowered and being able to like you said tell your story in your whole version because it's your lived reality and so many people really have like such a vague understanding of what we go through and so yeah i'm i'm excited that you're here and i'm thankful that you're willing to do it because i know it's not easy it's not easy to dig up all of this shit and this trauma and to go back and like you said be like oh yeah remember that time it really bad too like yeah yeah it's not i definitely appreciate you being here and being a part of the community and what we're trying to do here
1: yeah I'm excited
0: well awesome so do you know where you would like to begin somewhere i I always say from the beginning but I feel like that's e- like even with indo that's tricky because a lot of times it's like well like it was this but it was really this <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah totally like I was thinking about that today and like I kind of wrote like a flow chart of like all the significant events so that I don't forget anything and what's interesting is like I have this very vivid memory of like when it all began but after I listened to the episode where you talked about your story I was like oh shit <laughs> maybe it was before that because like I I I was always like a super nauseous kid. I always had like weird stuff going on with my stomach. I always had weird bowel movements. And um, there were like three separate times, once when I was 15, once when I was probably 19, and then once when I was probably 21, where I ended up in the ER because I thought I was like super dehydrated or like I had a neurovirus or something. Because I was like throwing up and having diarrhea and like getting like hot flashes and I would wake up like passed out and looking back I'm like oh those all coincided with my period <laughs> so that's probably where it actually started. Um, yeah,
0: so exactly like what you know what we just talked about like it's I think it started here but oh wait in actuality it started here like yeah yeah. Yeah, and I think that's important too because a lot of warriors, especially the younger ones, hear so often like, "Oh no, you're too young to have this." There's no way. I remember when I first went into the doctor, they were like, uh, "One of the doctors literally said to me, well, I would like to see these symptoms last four to six months, then we'll like actually see if we take them seriously.'" And I was like what i have to go through this for four to six months for you to
1: even like believe me that is horrible what a terrible doctor right oh my god just be worse and then come back yeah okay thanks that's great advice um (laughs) okay so where it starts in my mind even though that's probably not accurate upon reflection is I had like similar to your story I had my first like what I called episodes at the time because I didn't know what to call them and I woke up and at the time I was a personal trainer and I had pretty early hours so I woke up at like four forty-five, and I was making coffee like getting ready and I just started to feel like horrible cramps. And I was like, okay, here we go. And they just kept getting worse and worse and worse, like to the point where I couldn't stand anymore. And my back started hurting. And I started like, just sweating, like profusely, like a hot flash, like nothing I had ever experienced. And then I started throwing up. And I was like, okay, (laughs) this is not normal I've never experienced this like sort of almost like violent pain before um and so my husband well boyfriend at the time but my husband now called my boss and was like we don't know what's going on but Sarah can't come in and I'm just like crawling on all fours like towards the bathroom kind of losing my vision and then I like have diarrhea And then I like crawl back (laughs) to the kitchen and I'm just like laying there moaning in pain and just like, just scared because I didn't really know what was happening. Um, And then probably in like 30 to 45 minutes, things calmed down a little bit. And then I got the chills and to the point where it's like a cartoon, like my teeth were chattering and I could not get warm. And I was under all the blankets and um, bridge. My husband made me tea and my dog laid on top of me. (laughs) She is like my number one comfort when I'm in a flare. She is just like the best, knows what to do. But um, yeah, so and then I was just exhausted for the rest of the day and I had no idea what was happening. And I got on the Internet and I was like, okay, maybe it's an ovarian cyst had ruptured. And so I went and I got an ultrasound and, you know, of course, in typical fashion, they're like, everything looks great. You're fine. Like a little bit of fluid in your pelvis, which is sort of abnormal, but like, it's probably fine. And I was like, okay. And I went home and I kind of just ignored it for a long time. Um, I didn't really have any of the, like, in-between chronic pain at that point. I just had these, like, really, really intense episodes. So I could kind of ignore it for a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then I had another one when we were traveling. We were in New Zealand to visit um, my father-in-law and my sister-in-law. And we were, like, staying at somebody else's house and, you know, tons of traveling and, like, stuff that I know now is, like, terrible for endo. But at the time, I didn't know it was endo. Um, and I woke up at 2 a.m., had an episode, vomiting, diarrhea, you know, feels like fever, but probably hot flash, chills, all that. Um not really freaked me out. I was like this is not normal. I have to do something about this. Like I was pretty pretty upset, felt pretty alone, um and then once again just ignored it. <laughs> so this kind of went on for a while. And then finally um I lived in a different area of Colorado at this time and I went to a doctor there, but like basically in Colorado like you're only going to get really good care and specialists like in Denver or Boulder. And at this time, I lived four hours from there. And now I live like seven hours from there. So yeah, so I went to a doctor in the place I was living and like so many kudos to this doctor because she was like, honestly, I don't feel like this is in my scope. And I think you should go to Denver. You should like see a specialist in Denver. Wow. yeah (laughs) like that never happens yeah like usually they're like I'm a doctor so I know but she was really humble so I didn't really know where to look didn't really know where to start because I didn't know what the fuck was wrong with me so I just like googled like I don't, I don't even know what I Googled, but like probably something to do with gynecology because I was like, okay, the only clue I have is that it comes with my period. Um, And so I found this woman on the front, or it's the front range. It's like, that's what we call it here. It's like the front range of the Rocky mountains. Um, So I found this woman on the front range and her website mentioned endo, but really now I know that she is a fertility specialist. And she didn't really make that known to me. Um, A lot less humble than this other doctor I saw. And so I go there and I'm like, you know, we wake up at like 5am to get there in time and everyone there was super nice. Um, And I had a lot of, I feel like looking back, I was pretty naive and I had a lot of trust in doctors and I talked to her about my symptoms and then she did like a vaginal ultrasound and she was like, everything looks normal, um, but your symptoms sound like endometriosis. And I was like, what is that? (laughs) And, uh, now I'm so familiar. It's like so depressing, (laughs) but, um, Yeah, I was like, what is that? And so she kind of explained it to me, which now I know she explained it incorrectly, Um, you know, was like, that's when the endometrium grows outside the uterus and blah, blah, blah. And now I'm like, "Mm, that should have been a red flag. But at this time, I was like, yeah, I'm going to trust doctors because they're there to help me. Right. (laughs) Yeah, which I think isn't like a crazy thought to have, you know.
0: Right. Absolutely. Definitely. not. Especially when you go in, like, I don't know what's going on. I need help. Like you are very vulnerable in that. Yeah.
1: yeah, totally. So I trust her and she's telling me about my options. And I just was like, I need to know for sure. I need to know what's going on. I need to get this shit out of me. I want to do surgery. And she was like, okay. And What's really funny is like, so we drove back from Denver and we like camped somewhere with some friends that we met up with on the way. And the next morning I had an episode while we were camping and I was like, I don't want this disease. (laughs) I was like, this is not really that fun. Um, (laughs) So yeah, ruined my camping trip. But um,
0: it always manages to do that too like it comes at the most inconvenient times
1: it really does and it's like can you just like fuck off for once just one time <laughs> like uh, yeah so that happened and then I scheduled my excision with this doctor who is no longer practicing so this oh. is oh. good news <laughs> um in July of 2021 and I remember like sitting in the hospital bed waiting and reading through the paperwork and it said like a combination of excision and ablation. And I had like read enough online at this point that I was like, "Ooh, I don't want that. And so I said that to her. I was like, I just want to make sure you're not going to do ablation because I really don't want that. And she was like, oh, well, you know, in some situations, like depending on where it is, ablation is necessary. So that's kind of part of it (laughs) oh I know (laughs) yeah and I was like um okay I mean I guess if that's what you think like again at this point just really trusting and like hoping for the best
0: right Um, like what are you they're at you know desperate you are so badly wanting to get rid of this of relief, and it's like honestly, what are your other? You're going to trust the surgeon, and the way that they explain it, oftentimes doesn't make you feel like you're even allowed to like say anything else. Like you're kind of like okay, uh huh.
1: Yeah, totally. Like if I had really stuck up for myself and been like, I don't want ablation, or you know, we had to like reschedule or cancel, I would have felt like such an inconvenience to her. Right. Which is so messed up. It's like, no, I'm the patient, like you are here to serve me and help me. But like, so often we're made to feel like inconveniences. And it's wild. Absolutely. Yeah. So I just kind of I'm like, okay, I guess I'll go along with it, whatever. And I wake up and she's like, everything was beautiful in there. You have a beautiful uterus, um, no endo, and Uh, I did see that you have a very enlarged colon. It's very inflamed. Um, So maybe see a GI doc and bye. Wow. Thanks. Yeah, I was like, great. So you're not even going to give me like a reference or like nothing. She was just like, okay, bye. Good luck.
0: Oh, my gosh. Now, at this point, were you aware even that these kind of, quote, unquote, endo excision surgeons exist? Like, did you know that there was a difference in the quality of excision?
1: No, I had no clue. Okay. Yeah, I was like, and also, like, I don't have, like, a personal Instagram. And I I made a Facebook recently because... I ride horses and it seems like horse people love using Facebook to communicate. <laughs> so like I made it for that. And then I have an Instagram for um my endo support group down here. But so my point is that I didn't know about like Nancy's Nook or like any of these other resources, like your page and stuff like that at this time. Right. Gotcha. Okay. <clears throat> so I was just like very in the dark. Um so then like the next day. I'm, you know, still on the front range and I try to find a doctor up there because I'm like I need to know what's freaking going on. Like this is ridiculous. I feel so beaten down. I feel like such an idiot. Like I feel like everything's in my head. I made such a big deal th- about this. Like I'm so dramatic that I had a freaking surgery and nothing is wrong with me. Like I have to find out what's wrong with me. And So I saw a GI doc there and they did that test where you like drink the blue stuff and like, or I don't know, they put like some colored IV in you or you drink something for like a CT scan. So that like, I think it's for Crohn's. I don't know. There've been so many tests that I'm like, I don't even know at this point. (laughs) Fun together. Yeah. So some scan, of course, everything's fine. (sighs) And then I go home, I see a different GI doc. Um, and then she refers me based on my symptoms for a colonoscopy and upper endoscopy and that was a terrible experience obviously because getting ready for a colonoscopy is just terrible <laughs> but also like the doctor was two and a half hours late to my surgery Ugh. and I'm so hungry because, you know, you have to fast and, like, drink that gross stuff. <clears throat> and I'm so hungry. I'm so tired. Like, I just want to do this. I'm so anxious. I hate doctors and hospitals at this point. And I ca- he comes in and I'm on my phone, like, texting my friend about it. And he was like, ugh, I just have to be on the phone up to the last minute.
0: Wow. Could he be any more rude?
1: Yeah, like- I was like... Not you're, me. You're not, like you're two and a half hours late
0: <laughs> like, what? oh my god
1: yeah so that was great and then I was like okay I guess I'll just be knocked out now and you're gonna do things to my body that sounds uh, wonderful yeah. feels really good hi nice to meet you <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah I had never met him like yeah not a good experience um so then again, he's like, found extremely enlarged and inflamed colon, but no explanation of why, like, no follow up ideas, nothing. Um, and then they found evidence of celiac in my small intestine. So I was like, okay, maybe that's what it is. Like, maybe it's gluten, and I'll stop eating gluten, and I'll, then I'll be fine. And like, I'll ignore the fact that this is super linked to my period. Um, <laughs> but it's probably just gluten right like yeah so unfortunately that didn't really help like some things got worse like I noticed like the inflammation in my face came down and like some of my GI stuff got slightly better and like my stomach hurt less but all the other symptoms were getting worse like I used to have just those episodes and then kind of be fine. But now it was like chronic fatigue, nausea all the time. I started losing weight. I had low back pain all the time. I had some version of cramps all the time, like no matter what. Um, and I was like, this, I don't think this is normal, but I felt so I started getting really depressed and really anxious because I felt so alone. Like I felt such such an imposter because I was still like, I did join this one thing called like my endometriosis team or something, which is like this really like sort of like, it seemed kind of akin to my (laughs) space. Um, But it was like an online community and like I would just read through these posts like just, you know, when you're just Googling stuff and you're just like hungry for something that looks like what you're dealing with.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: Yeah, like I was going through feeds of that and like Googling stuff and like my friend, my best friend actually also has endo and she found out before me so she kind of was like a guiding light for me and she would send me like posts from the Nancy's Nook a group that she was in and be like oh this kind of sounds like what you have and like so that was really helpful.
0: Wow um, terribly wonderful.
1: Yeah totally we talk about that all the time like it sucks that we both have it but it makes our friendship like so much stronger because we really can understand what the other one is going through and we're like really flexible with each other and, like, really, like, forgiving about, like, rescheduling stuff and, like, understanding that it's a low-energy day and, like, we're not gonna do much except, like, hang out and talk, you know, so it's pretty incredible and I'm really grateful for that. That's awesome. Yeah, but, like, even with that, I was just, like, I can't, I can't really be a part of this because I don't have a diagnosis and like everything I was reading, I was like, I have that. I have that. I have that. Like, how is this not endo? Like this doctor really fucked with my head and I was like, well, I mean, she, she didn't find it. It's not there. And I went down all these like rabbit holes on like deep infiltrating endometriosis and like, can it be microscopic? And like all of these things and, like, can you have endo inside your bowels that haven't grown through the walls? And just really, really searching, you know, for, like, some validation. Because I was like, it, I just don't see how it isn't endo. So, that was a long period. And then I finally started looking into more doctors. Because I was like, I just know something is wrong. And... I spoke to, like, another specialist on the front range who was like, you should get on Orlissa And I was like, I don't even know if it's endo. And he was like, "Mm, you should just try it. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, wild.
0: Seriously, that is terrifying. I plan on opening up the podcast to Orlissa stories because I feel like that in itself could be a whole series. Like, oh, my God. That is the thing that there are doctors that are like, you don't even have a surgical diagnosis of endometriosis and they're going to put you on something as serious as orlissa. Um,
1: yeah, totally. Like it's, it's criminal.
0: It is. It really is.
1: Yeah. And my friend, uh, Caitlin, who I was just talking about, she was on Orlissa for a while and it was like a horrible experience for her. <clears throat> and then like I went to this other gynecologist in the area where I lived. And she was like, maybe you should try Lupron. And I was like, I don't have a diagnosis. <laughs> wow. like, yeah.
0: It's, cr- oh my gosh. It's so horrible that we're being given these options before even having a surgical diagnosis. It's, it's just wild to me that doctors are even willing and like don't want to confirm that you have this before putting you on something like that. Yeah. Like I just I truly don't understand where the disconnect is with Indo and why there isn't more of of doctors wanting to help us, of of taking us seriously, of seeing this disease for the whole picture that it is. It it really is just wild to me. Like every time I do these podcast series I'm like, how how do we live this?
1: <laughs> I know and it's like I laugh so much because like you kind of have to at a certain point like don't get me wrong I cry all the time too but like it's like it's almost comical
0: right like are we being punked like yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah like it's it's just no other illness is treated like this that I know of
0: right it's sickening it really is yeah I keep waiting for like the dateline crew to show up like where <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh that would be a really good little skit (laughs) but yeah so like during this time meanwhile like I'm just trying to manage my symptoms so like I am just breaking the bank by like going to the chiropractor to acupuncture getting massages getting pelvic floor PT like taking supplements getting teas from my acupuncturist I even did that like Mayan like pelvic massage I think it's called like Arvago or something I think that what what was that
0: I've heard of that
1: yeah I I'm probably mispronouncing the name um but I did that for a while and she was like I don't think you have endo she was like I think you have um I don't know what she said but I've gotten from a couple I don't think from her actually but from a couple different people like I think you just have a lack of feminine energy and you really need to like work on your chakras. And I was like, okay. (laughs) Thanks for that. That was really good advice. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Just FYI. I went, um, I went down that whole rabbit hole too. I'm like a certified yoga teacher and no, it didn't cure my endo. (laughs) Yeah,
1: totally. I'm a yoga teacher as well. And like, yeah there are certain stretches that help a little bit but that like happy baby and like you know putting a certain essential oil on isn't gonna like fix it
0: (laughs) it's not gonna detach my you know ovary from my right
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah oh that would be great but no So, I'm also doing like, I was seeing a naturopath and I was doing like urine tests and stool samples and blood tests and like different, you know, CT scans, ultrasounds, elimination diets, the full fucking gamut. And it was so crazy, like, so much self doubt, so insecure, like, just asking myself every day, like, am I insane? Like, is this. At a certain point, you're like, I, yeah, everything hurts and I feel terrible, but this is the only experience I know. So maybe this is normal and I'm just a baby, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I can totally relate to that.
1: Yeah. So that was definitely in my head for a long time and honestly still is some days. Like, Uh I, my husband recorded the surgeon talking to me after I came out of my second excision surgery and like telling me where all the endo was and stuff. And because he knew like I was loopy and I wouldn't remember, you know. And I just watch that video sometimes to like, be like, no, you do have it. Like, you're not crazy. And that's like, so sad to me, (laughs) like, that I still kind of don't believe it but yeah. okay. But that's jumping ahead. Um, So yeah, I was talking to Caitlin. I was like, I don't know what to do. I feel insane. You know, all these feelings that she could totally understand and relate to. And she was like, I really think you should talk to my surgeon because she had surgery and like, it was, she's diagnosed, confirmed, like all that. And I was like, think about the go surgery through. route again. It's really expensive. I'm going to wake up and be wrong and it's going to be even more traumatic. And... But she finally convinced me and I talked to his physician's assistant initially and we did telehealth because, again, he was like four hours away. Um, and she was so validating, so kind. She was like, you know, I... Deal with endo like with endo patients, like every day, day in, day out. This sounds like endo. She was like, obviously, I can't give you a diagnosis without going in there, but it really sounds like endo. And I was like, Okay, well, what do you think I should do? And she was like, I think you should do what you want to do, and like, you know, gave me all the options that they generally give us. Um, <clears throat> And I was like, I'd really like to talk to Dr. Nelson, who was the doctor who did my surgery in Longmont. And she was like, yeah, you definitely should. Like, if you're thinking about surgery, you should be able to talk to the surgeon beforehand. I'll set up an appointment. And so I talked to him on the phone. He answered all my questions. He didn't rush me. It was like the most refreshing experience ridiculous that that's refreshing that's like such a low bar yeah their job it's their yeah, job. like just do your job <laughs> but <laughs> um and i sent him the photos from my first surgery and he was like you know these photos are kind of bad quality but i can see endo like Uh-oh. in the photos <laughs> oh
0: my god
1: yeah and i was like holy shit really and he was like yeah i can see some lesions just from these photos and you know, I'm not going to pressure you either way, but if you wanted to do surgery, I would do surgery. And I thought about it for a while and I was like, okay, I think, I think I'm going to do surgery again. And that was a really scary decision to make because it's like, you know, so many of us fear going into that surgery and waking up and having the doctor say, I didn't find anything. You're fine. And that had literally happened to me.
0: Right. Right. Literally your lived experience was that.
1: Yeah. Like I think so, so many endo warriors, like worst fear, you know, and it like did happen to me. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I know that that's not my fault. I know because she wasn't trained well enough in that area and was like doing, honestly, it feels like malpractice to me, like that she was doing those surgeries and like claiming that she had the knowledge. But yeah, it was really hard for me to be like, okay, I'm doing this again. (laughs) Like I'm putting my trust into another doctor's hands and here we go like we're we're gonna find out I guess um but then I was like listening to other podcasts where like I had heard of women having a second one and the same thing happening and then they find a third person there and then they get a third surgery and then it's confirmed and I was like well what if that happens to me like what if I go through this again like I cannot do this like it just really really broke my confidence in myself you know
0: yeah. Yeah. That like trust in your ability to be like, okay, well you, essentially you're gaslighting yourself. Cause you're like, this is what mm-hmm. I'm and saying, but no, maybe it's not. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's, I'm just making it worse. Yeah. It's so traumatic and it plays, it is like such a, uh, like, I don't know. It just goes along with like every single warrior's experience with endo and it is disgusting. And like you said, it really does come down to like being malpractice. This should not be happening. It is crazy to me Then not only did you have a, uh, a GI doctor say like your colon is inflamed and not know to why.
1: <laughs> I know.
0: But Why didn't that doctor say this is definitely aligns with endometriosis. I'm going to refer you to somebody
1: right yeah
0: yeah it's just wild to then have the actual endo specialist be like to see it on pictures from another doctor that you have to pay for
1: I know for that (sighs) yeah it was it was like really validating to hear that but I still was like I don't know maybe he's wrong maybe it's a shine from the light or something you know
0: oh my god it's so messed up Text, like just I just want listeners to understand like how deep that that goes
1: yeah totally I mean it's like to this day you know like it's so hard to break free from that because it's PTSD you know like
0: it is and it doesn't end it's not like it just right. ends. At this doctor we're still are facing all of these things you know like with people in our lives and like co-workers or you know just it, I mean pretty much the general public has this very wrong understanding of what endo is and when we're when we tell somebody it's like oh yeah it's not a big deal you know so it's, it's right it's, it
1: was the gaslighting continues <sighs> yeah it really does okay so I decided to have surgery. I had to reschedule it like four freaking times because of insurance and I just got like so familiar with like (laughs) the people who picked up the phone at the hospital on the people who've picked up the phone at my insurance and my doctor's office and I would be like hi it's Sarah again and they'd be like yep what's up (laughs) So, finally, like, I went through the appeals process with my insurance company, like, three times, and finally I got it approved with a letter from the surgeon, like, saying how badly I needed the surgery, and then I got COVID. Oh, my gosh. So, I thought it was going to be like, you know, you wait two weeks, it's fine, whatever. No, you have to wait six weeks, because I guess when you have just had COVID, you're more likely to have complications under, under anesthesia. Mm, okay. That so sense. yeah. So that was like a really, like I had a really big emotional breakdown because you know, in my head, the excision surgery date was like the end date, which now I know is like not true at all, but it was like, if I can just make it there, I'll yeah. be okay. Yes. And And it's like, you know, when you're really in the throes of endo, it's so day to day, like, like, if I can just get through this day, if I can just get through this hour, if I can get through this meeting, whatever it is, like, it takes up so much of your brain space. And I was like, really counting on that date. And then it was pushed back six weeks. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? I cannot do this for another six weeks. But I did, obviously. A um, time too, like six
0: weeks. You know, not just a couple of days. Like that's that's a significant amount to wait.
1: Yeah, it was really disheartening. And then finally, it's the day of the surgery, and I'm like, kind of holding my breath, like hoping nothing goes wrong. They don't have a reason to turn me away. My insurance went through, like just praying that this will happen and it happened and he found endo all all, all over, over my pelvic, pelvic. sidewalls, all over the pelvic ligaments in the cul-de-sac and then I had a super thickened appendix and he said it was probably like six months away from appendicitis so he took that out and yeah it was just like a a really um I don't know probably one of the most important days of my life so far just feeling that like validation feeling the relief having the diagnosis like I think it so much of endo like it comes how you feel about it comes in waves and like stages and I think at that time it was just like just so much relief and like so much I was really proud of myself because I despite all the gaslighting and despite gaslighting myself I really kept pushing for what I knew was true so that was yeah a a pretty great day even though it sounds weird to say I think like endo warriors get that (laughs) um but yeah that was a pretty great day and then since then, like, I still have symptoms. They're so much better. But I have had one of those episodes since I had surgery, um, which really freaked me out and kind of sent me into a... Um, And then this whole summer, like, I had really bad tightness in my pelvic floor and like UTI like symptoms. And I went to urgent care and the UTI meds didn't help. And, but she also gave me steroids and the steroids helped so much. So I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> something else. And uh, I talked to Caitlin again because she has interstitial cystitis. Uh. And she was like, I mean, it sounds like IC. And, so then she gave me the name of a urogynecologist in Denver again. I had to take off work and because it's like seven hours and don't have time for that in a car. Um, and so we did all the testing that day and like it kind of reminded me of um, like women who are fighting for IUDs to be placed like, you know, with pain meds or under anesthesia because like just placing an IUD with us awake is like barbaric yeah um and I kind of had a similar experience there because they stuck three catheters up my urethra while I was awake oh yeah and it was so painful like I felt like I was in labor like my mom came in with me and she was like holding my hand and telling me to breathe and like, I was crying and yelling, and, like, I don't generally react to pain like that, but, man, it was intense. Oh, my God. Yeah, they gave me, like, 800 milligrams of ibuprofen beforehand. Oh, <laughs> oh I did, that's like, a joke. Yeah, it was a fucking joke. <laughs> And then they gave me, like, a vaginal valium afterwards. And I was like, why didn't you give this to me before? Seriously? (laughs) Yeah. But it was pretty wild because one of those um, catheters was a scope that went inside my bladder. And so I could see my bladder and it was all red. And they were like, you see how your bladder's all red? And I was like, yep. And they were like, a normal bladder is white. So that confirmed that I have IC and now I'm on like a bunch of expensive medication for that um and yeah I'm just trying to like keep my symptoms at bay these days um and kind of just like dealing with the anxiety and depression and emotions that come up with having endo because it just you know for now it's forever (laughs) until someone finds a cure and that is a lot to wrap your head around even if you have been dealing with it for however many years you know it's still it's still um something to I don't know overwhelm you at times um, I don't know I just think it comes with a lot of different emotions and I'm definitely trying to reach a place of acceptance and that's really challenging for me
0: yeah absolutely and I think that comes in ways to the acceptance that it's like I don't know because you know you to some extent you have to because your life changes so much so like you know, your day to day, like, endo becomes so much a part of that. And I don't, and maybe I should be a little more specific for people that are listening that don't have endo. Like, I I don't mean just in managing the pain. I also mean, and like what Sarah's talking about with the mental aspect of it and the anxiety and like, the feeling of always having to be prepared for when a flare comes and it takes you out. And what do you need to have in place to be able to still, function in your life not fall apart because that's literally what it feels like it feels like every time we go through these big flares our life gets derailed and we get (laughs) I mean you do you know like everything kind of falls to the wayside and and then there's like this period of picking the pieces back up and putting it back together and then you're like holding on for dear life and just waiting until that you know the next one comes and and there is so much anxiety and like so mental capacity gets taken up which is just
1: dealing with that. Yeah, totally. And I always think of it as like puzzle pieces. Like I have to look at my life like puzzle pieces. Like if I decide to have a drink tonight and then I know that tomorrow is going to be a big day because I have to work all day. And then I know that tonight I have class because I'm in a master's program for social work because I want to be a therapist for people with endo. Oh, my God. That's um, amazing. Yeah, because I can't find a therapist that specializes in it. And I'm like, maybe I'll just be that therapist.
0: so awesome oh my fucking gosh I love that that's another thing that I love about this community like that is so cool we are like you know what we don't have this we don't have that we don't have this all right well we're gonna become those
1: (laughs) yeah that's super true like well if it's not there we'll just do it even though we're in tons of pain and dealing with all this shit we're gonna do it
0: (laughs) take another thing on
1: (laughs) yeah yeah so like I don't know I just see things as like well as all these different puzzle pieces and if I don't get the puzzle right then like you said everything's gonna fall apart yeah
0: I like the puzzle piece analogy that's a that's a really good one it's a good way to describe it of like you know you have to think like everything you do has a consequence so much more than just someone you know that's quote unquote in a healthy body like right yeah definitely
1: um long drive it's like uh this is gonna be a whole thing you know
0: I know when you said uh that you were seven hours away from that one doctor that was the first thing that went in
1: my my head I was like oh god that drive
0: (laughs) um I did want to ask you how far along are you post excision
1: oh it just cut out there for a sec can you repeat that
0: yes of course Um, I wanted to ask you, how far along are you Mm. post-excision?
1: It was in May, so I'm going to have to count on my hand. Pretty recently, though. November, December, January. January. So, yeah, eight months.
0: Okay, yeah. So, yeah, that's definitely still pretty recent, I feel like. It's it's like, there's so much to process, and uh, did I know you mentioned this when you were telling your story. So I wanted to ask you about it too. Um, How you thought originally like excision would be kind of like, you know, the end or the finish line. Did you Mm -hmm. going into surgery or had your perspective of that already changed before you had
1: this excision surgery? I think um, like my mind and my emotions were not really linked up. Like I, I knew in my brain like this is not the end there is no cure like you don't even know if it's going to work because like i have some friends from the support group who have had excision surgery and it didn't help their pain like i would tell myself that but emotionally i was very much like this is the finish line like if i can just get excision surgery i'm going to be good and i'm going to i'm going to go back to who i was
0: yeah. And
1: especially. like that's something like on your Instagram account like you had a post that talked about that and like kind of like mourning that idea and like mourning the person who you were and like thinking you were going to go back to that person and then realizing that's not at all how it works. That's been really challenging for me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It is. And I still relate to that because I feel like that's exactly the headspace that I was in when I went into excision surgery. And I feel like I fought that for a long time after excision surgery too. Like I would get, it's so ridiculous now looking back at it, but it was like, I would almost like get mad at myself or feel like I need to punish myself when I was, Mm -hmm. because like I felt like, you know, for me, I had excision surgery with Dr. Cynervo. And he, you know, the CEC is so renowned and it is such a pillar of our community that I feel so privileged that I was able to have surgery with him, that sometimes I feel like this sense of guilt that I do still have pain and I do still have symptoms. And like you said, like there was like, almost like even after excision surgery, there was like an imposter syndrome for me of like, oh my God, I'm still having symptoms, but I had surgery with Dr. Cernervo. so. Like I'm not allowed to be like that, and, right? Yeah, so I think it's I think it's so important that we talk about that and for other warriors to hear. Like, and even Doctor Cernervo like told me I cannot guarantee you pain relief from this, but you need to have this done because it's killing your organs. You know, right. like I said like it was like it's one thing to understand it in your mind, but it's another thing for like your emotions to understand that and for you to understand what it actually means in your day-to-day life.
1: Totally and I think another thing that's so tricky about having endo and and this like horrible pattern of being gaslit by doctors and then being gaslit by ourselves is that you know there are things that we can do to lessen our symptoms but also like we have to realize that A, we have to live life to some extent. And B, we're not going to be perfect. And C, like you also just have this chronic illness and like it's not your fault. And I sometimes, like when I'm in a flare, I'm like, well, you had the glass of wine. So it's your fault. Or like, well, you did that workout that was a little bit too much. So it's your fault. And I think it's so hard to stop blaming ourselves.
0: Yes. Yes. I think that's such a good point to bring up. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, yes, there are things that we can do, you know, to, to support our bodies and to, you know, cope with the pain or, you know, minimize it as much as we can, but we're so quick to the opposite, and be like, "Oh no, I'm the reason why I'm flaring. This is the reason why." And mm-hmm. there does have to be a kind of balance of like, you know, tonight living life is worth, however, I'm gonna feel tomorrow, and i and it's not bad or or I'm not wrong or and I'm not doing this to myself. This is just my reality.
1: Yeah, and it's like, and it's not like you deserve it. Like exactly. every everybody else can go out and have like a margarita after work so like sometimes i'm going to do that <laughs> and like the next day if i feel shitty like i need to give myself a little grace you know and it's hard it's really hard
0: it is it really is i i've like like to say now that there's like a learning curve with endometriosis and especially mm-hmm. cuz you know the just get diagnosed. It's like that takes so long and it takes so much self-advocacy and it takes so much research and teaching yourself and learning. And then you get diagnosed and all of a sudden now it's like, you have to do this 180 pivot to like, oh, now I have to actually live with this. Now I have to like, (laughs) like, you know, go back to like day-to-day life knowing I have this and it's still with me. Yeah. And, and no one prepares you for any of that either.
1: No, because it's all about the fight to diagnosis, you know. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that because, well, I mean, there's a lot of things wrong with that, right? But, like, I don't think there's anything wrong with the fact that so many of us are focused on that because it's, it's a really dire situation. It's like something's wrong with me. I need to figure out what it is. And this like seven to 10 year wait is not acceptable. So like, I understand why we focus so much on that. But yeah, like realizing this disease is here to stay and it is my life, like realizing like this is my life. This isn't a joke. This isn't somebody else's life. This isn't a bad dream. Like this is my life is a whole other process that like you said, we don't really talk about as much.
0: Yeah. Listening to you say that it's in a way, it almost feels like it starts over. Like Mm -hmm. instead of the diagnosis now, it's like, how do we live with this? And I find myself too, like scouring Instagram and YouTube and Pinterest and TikTok for like people just doing life with endo.
1: Yeah, totally. I find myself like looking for events or like like, I don't even know just like I'll just google like endometriosis events endometriosis march endometriosis meetup like something because like we really need to talk to each other and like support each other so that we know how to keep moving through life because it's it is totally like starting over it's like starting from square one like okay well how do I do this
0: yeah, absolutely. And that's such a good segue. So let me ask you, you host a support group, right? I do. Oh yay, let's talk about that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh I moved down here in June. And I so that meant I was moving away from my friend Caitlin. And I was like, I need to start this support group for other endo warriors but also for me (laughs) because I'm not gonna have my best friend around who knows you know what this is like and it's been awesome like it was slow to start for sure and I felt pretty discouraged by that but my husband has been really supportive and has been like you're doing Like, you're following your heart, and you're doing your calling, and just keep going. Like, just keep trying, and people will show up. Like, all these endo warriors need this just as much as you do, so just keep going. And I have, and it's still pretty small because we live in a pretty rural area, Um, but every time we have the meetups and, you know, get coffee, or we have, like, the support group that I have consistently on a monthly basis like I just feel so fulfilled like I drive home and I just like blast music and I'm like yeah we're doing it (laughs) and I don't know like it's just there's nothing like being in a room full of other people with endo who can who totally see you you know
0: yeah yeah absolutely there's there's just so much like unspoken understanding and empathy and like and like this weight you know lifted off of our shoulders of like i know i'm sure you experience this too and i talked to somebody who doesn't have to who doesn't have indo there's so much i have to like preface of like oh before mm-hmm. i is my actual experience let me give you this history lesson on what indo yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah so you know, when you talk to other warriors, you don't have to do that. There's so much of that that's just gone. Like, this, like barriers are just gone.
1: Yeah. Yeah, like, there are so many times where I'm talking about something, and I, I start going into kind of the spiel to, like, explain. And then I'm like, actually, never mind. You guys know. And everybody just laughs. And they're like, yep, we know.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. That is so cool. Uh, yeah, love- it feels good. How long have you been doing this for?
1: Not very long at all. I started it in August.
0: Oh, wow. That's so amazing. Uh, and props to you for doing that, like, so quick after excision, because I feel like I was, like, a depressed,
1: hot mess express after <laughs> excision. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I am, too. <laughs> and there are so many times that I want to cancel. And there have been times that I cancel because I'm in a flare and, like, everybody gets it. Um, but when I do go and like set it all up and even one person comes, cause I've had times where nobody shows up and it's super disheartening, but if one person comes, like I remember I had a support group on Halloween and I wasn't really expecting anybody to come, but I hadn't like given enough notice to cancel. And I was just like, whatever, like, we'll see what happens. And one person came and it was like one of the best conversations I've had in the group and it just felt so good and like, you know, we were total strangers at the beginning but at the end we were like giving each other hugs and being like, we need to do this more and I feel so good and I'm so glad we met and you know it just feels so good to connect so that is definitely the thing that keeps me doing it is those moments.
0: I absolutely love that. Like, I feel like my heart is in events too. Like, I used to host a kind of like a women's support group that wasn't actually endo related. It was just like for um people who identified as a woman. But um and like I just love that. Like you said, there's just such a, it's just something that we lack, you know, in our everyday lives. Like we're all connected through social media, but there's so something that's so much different when you sit down and have these in-person conversations and you're able to get each other and you know like you said hug each other I just yeah love that I just think that's so great and it's so needed
1: it really is yeah and that's why I was so excited when I was looking through your site which looks amazing by the way nice freaking job um yeah I saw like that meetup day September 16th which I'm sure you know maybe subjects subject to change but that just got me so excited because I was like man maybe I'll fly to Florida that'd, that'd be cool like meet some endo warriors in Florida like absolutely love it yeah like just that connection is so um it can't be overstated enough I think because so much of this disease feels so isolating
0: Yes, I totally agree. Absolutely. It's such an important aspect. And, and and it's something that we, I hear over and over again that we all are lacking in, you know, like, it's like, it's one thing to deal with the physical pain and symptoms of it. And I feel like we all get, you know, pretty freaking good at dealing with that. Sad. Yeah. But we do. But the, mm-hmm. the emotional and the mental and the loneliness aspect of it, like that is, it's, it's overwhelming and it's, it's honestly dangerous. It's, it does yeah. become extremely dangerous. And I think, you know, with the way that mental health rates are and, you know, suicide rates inside the endometriosis community, things like support groups, like you said, it, like the value of them, it just, it's priceless. It really is. Yeah. So thank you. Cause that's amazing. Thank you for continuing to do it and pushing through and I also wanted to say that I think it was a really cool point that about, you know, you said like, no, you still struggle with depression and feeling all of that and like wanting to cancel and that you need this just as much as other people do. And I think that's really beautiful because I think some of the most wonderful like projects or organizations or things come up out of, you know, people's really difficult and, dark times and I just think that that's like so much props to you and I just give you so much credit for that because it it is so difficult and and you aren't doing this for anything other than to be here for the community and that's just amazing and beautiful
1: thank you that's really nice to hear and feels super encouraging because you know sometimes there are days where I'm like oh who am I to start this? You know, like, who's going to come to my thing? Um, But if I just keep in mind, like, kind of the higher purpose of it, and that helps me to kind of get over my own personal insecurities and stuff like that. So thank you. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, you're so welcome. Absolutely. I'm so excited. And Will you let our listeners know, I'll be sure to add it to the show notes too, but let them know where they can find your endo account. Cause I know too, that we've had, um, I think a couple of other previous podcast guests live in Colorado.
1: Yeah. I mean, if they're around, that would be super cool to connect with them. Um, yeah, my Instagram account is at Southwest, and I also have a website endosouthwest.com. Um, but most of the stuff I post about the support group is up to date on the Instagram account.
0: Okay. Amazing. So we will definitely, I will link both of those there and I will also work on getting your website linked on our resource page on my website.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah, of course. Um, I just want to ask you one more question. Is there anything that you feel like we left out or that we need to touch on or that you would like to say?
1: Um, I don't think there's anything we left out but I would like to say to anyone listening who doesn't have a diagnosis that does not diminish your experience Mm -hmm. at all you are going through it and it is rough and just because you don't have a diagnosis doesn't mean your experience is not real so that's the last thing I would like to say
0: Oh, yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for that. Like, yeah, a diagnosis is not a prerequisite to be a part of our community. And I think a lot of people, I know I felt like that. Oh,
1: yeah. It's, it's a really hard space to be in when you're like, something's really wrong. I don't know what it is. And so I feel like an imposter. And I just, I don't want anyone to feel like that because it's a terrible place to be in.
0: It absolutely is. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad that you brought that up. That's a that's a great point to leave on. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Well, thank you so much, Sarah, for being here and I am sending you so many spoons and I appreciate you using your spoons to come on here and share your story. And I hope that um, that it was helpful for you, that you know, you got something positive out of it too.
1: Yeah, this has been great. I feel like just so happy to, you know, be connecting with other people like yourself. And I hope that, you know, my story in some way can help somebody else. So I appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. I think so. I think it definitely will. And you know, maybe one day we'll be able to collaborate on some indoor events.
1: Heck yeah. That would be amazing. Yeah, let's do it. (laughs)
0: <laughs> awesome. i'm so excited thank you so much for being here and i will definitely be talking to you again
1: sounds good have a good one mariah
0: Bye. thank you so much sarah bye thank you for tuning in to the best worst club podcast if you could do us the biggest favor and help us reach more Indo warriors please leave us a review on itunes spotify or wherever you are listening And take a selfie of you listening or a screenshot and share it on Instagram. I hope you'll join us next week, Indo Warrior.